strange truth. A world where the line between fact and fiction is almost imperceptible. Beyond Disbelief, hosted by Robin and Johanna. In this podcast, we talk about the true stories of the show Beyond Belief and try to find the facts behind the fact. I'm Johanna, a copywriter and creative, and I found a safe space in 90s television shows about the spooky and the supernatural. I've been charmed, became a Buffy buff, and believed in Roswell. I'm Robin. I'm a translator, among other things, and my heart bleeds for 90s television. I was raised by Trekkies. My first crush was Woody from Cheers, and I wrote a thesis about Law and Order. Hi. Hi. Welcome to Beyond Disbelief. How are you? I'm good. For a second, I felt bad that we were speaking in English. <laughs> I wanted to say hi in German. Um, I'm good, Robin. How are you? I'm good. I'm still a little bit jet-lagged. Uh, so you're gonna have to deliver the laughs for this one. Oh, I think I think it's gonna be fine. Um, I think we're gonna be good. Okay, I'm not sure because you definitely had the better um, stories. <laughs> I can tell you because I almost fell asleep doing mine. Oh so, no. Um, yeah. Um, but anyway, you're starting, so um, I can just maybe jump on some of your stuff. So. Oh yeah, please, please feel free to. Yeah, let's start with my first story. It's called Email. Mm-hmm. Very sober title. Love it. And I mean, we already we already laughed about the introduction where um, James Brolin is standing next to this very old computer. It's amazing. <laughs> what did he say? He called it the, the most, most sophisticated, sophisticated <laughs> machine. <laughs> <laughs> Allows us. Uh, a window into the future, which is... Yeah, you know. <laughs> the Windows 95 into the future. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God, rest in peace, paint. That baby has it all. It has paint, it has word. Minesweeper. That's pretty much it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, our story starts with um protagonist, who unfortunately doesn't have a name, uh, who's a paralegal for Mr. Goth, very topical name. Uh, who is in a very important meeting with a client. The client is a blonde woman, and the lawyer is telling her that her inheritance from her uncle of half a million dollars will be transferred to her account by five today, about which she seems suspiciously surprised and very excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, she states that she and her uncle were inseparable. Our protagonist enters the scene and informs her boss that she had just received important news after mm-hmm. a very long Dramatic pause. <laughs> oh my god, the dramatic pauses in this story are just precious. Yeah. So good. Yeah, yeah, they're golden for sure. I mean, I, I don't want to knock on people, but like that woman's acting abilities are questionable to say the I least. would call it a directional <laughs> disaster. Can we say that? It was the worst piece of acting and directing and everything <laughs> but yeah <I> continue <laughs> um anyway she comes in with a dramatic pause and uh, tells the lawyer that she's received some news shows him a piece of paper and uh he tells the client that um something's come up the bank won't be able to transfer the money that day and they will have to uh wait to complete the action until the next day about which the lady is furious and threatens to take her business somewhere else uh which is a very dramatic <laughs> mood shift for somebody especially, who's just like 
And and it, it would only like happen the next day, which yeah. is okay. It's not like she probably like needs those like that. It's a half a million. Do you really need it right now? She's like, this is unacceptable. Yeah, yeah. taking right your away. business somewhere else is actually just gonna take even longer. It's very, it's very, it's very confusing because not only does that not make sense, but then she says, "I have a plane to catch." I know. <laughs> And the guy's like. Well, we'll be able to do it by tomorrow. So she's like, "All right, I'll be back here tomorrow, and then I'll take my plane." And I'm exactly. like, Lady, "Tomorrow what kind of plane morning. are you taking?" No, wait, she didn't even say that she wanted to get on another plane. She just said, "I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get on a plane, and then I'm gonna be here tomorrow morning." And you're like, "Okay, where are you going?" I don't know, on the paper plane. Yeah. Anyway, that that lady is not to be taken seriously, apparently. So when the client leaves, we learn what the note said that the paralegal brought in, and apparently it's a mysterious email, <gasps> hence the title, from the uncle out of the grave, stating that the woman claiming to be the niece of the deceased is an imposter. So the boss does the 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 lawyer does what every good boss does, which he tells her off. And yells at her and tells her basically to figure her shit out and That's get behind that whole story. Feedback. Yeah. Uh, by tomorrow morning. Um, because, you know, the lady has a plane to catch. And so uh, our protagonist starts doing some digging. She starts investigating about the email address and calls the provider who tells her that the account, uh, the mail came from, does in fact belong to the uncle who died. <clears throat> And uh, say they, they, they say it's impossible that email was sent from that account because it's directly linked to that person. As we all know, that's how emails work. And we also know that if you want to know where an email came from, you just go and call the provider. <laughs> He's a suspicious email from a <laughs> prince and he wants to wire me a million euros. Could <laughs> you just tell me who that person is? Yeah. Hello, directory. <laughs> I mean, I gotta say, the, the breach of privacy, I was actually thinking, I, if, if that was actually true, if that was possible in the 90s, that's so dangerous. Because right? next thing that happens as uh, she, um, she starts doing some more digging and she, she decides to answer the email. Uh, and reply to the uncle uh, and starts this back and forth emailing with this ghost man who tells her that his actual niece had changed her last name and lives in Brooklyn now. And then he leads her to what appears to be a police quality people search <laughs> engine uh, where you put in the name and the place where this person lives and they just tell you where they are yeah and <laughs> there's only one person with that name exactly surprise <laughs> so easy <laughs> so the paralegal finds the actual niece and then we get a dramatic break and uh, the next scene we get is the the scammer the mean lady is back in the office And uh, there's an epic showdown with the paralegal and the lawyer and the lady where the paralegal comes in and she's like, uh, I got to interrupt this session again. And then the boss is like, well, I'm going to fire you. And then she's <laughs> like, you can fire me, but first I need you to meet somebody. And then she brings in bam, bam, the no, real no, niece. Not before there is a dramatic pause right. <laughs> of about 
a minute. <laughs> That's right. And that is the epic showdown is probably like the slowest <laughs> showdown I've ever seen on screen. <laughs> and I mean, I gotta say what I love the most about this whole showdown situation is the fact that the actual niece was standing in some corner of this law office while the other woman came in. He probably offered her a cup of coffee. And she's like, no, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Now you can come out. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, that's, yeah, that's the main story. It's basically a, um, a noir. It's There's a femme fatale. <gasps> there's a... Well, it's not a detective, but a lawyer who um, believes the wrong person, falls for the femme fatale scam. Um, mm. Unfortunately, uh, I didn't find any lead for a real story. I really did my best, but there's nothing. I mean, we talked about that last episode. We talked about the fact that there's a lot of stories yeah. of uh, emails from dead yeah. people. Um I found this one story of a group of friends. Uh, there were no names being named, but there was a group of friends who claimed that they had received emails from their deceased friend uh, mm. about... It was always this mixture of topical things that were happening in their lives that he couldn't have known because he mm -hmm. was already dead at that time, and then referring to conversations that they'd had before. So you would know that it's real because only that person okay. could have known it. I would. Lo I love the idea of like... He couldn't have known because he was dead. He was also so dead. He couldn't even have like, <laughs> sent an email. <laughs> like, How my hands are that? too cold. <laughs> I can't type. I mean, that's that's a whole other issue. That's okay. <laughs> he couldn't have known. He was dead at the time. No, but I mean, that's what they were saying. They were like, well, you couldn't. You know, it's, no. The, yeah. the point was that it could have been a delayed email, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. It could have been like a like an email that didn't yeah. go through in the first place, but then why would he know this? That happened after he died. Yeah. But what those friends were saying um, was that they didn't do any research into what actually happened because they found it comforting to just believe, basically, without doing any further digging. And I thought yeah. that was, you know, very honest. Yeah. <laughs> like probably sums up the whole getting emails from somebody who's dead that that whole idea that it's like it's a nice thought yeah but you're not gonna want to look too deeply into it because basically you're most likely gonna be disappointed yeah um i think we kind of brushed that subject earlier on as well and i think maybe it was based on some of my stories yeah. that i said like it's it's very common that people or they think that they're getting messages mm -hmm. um, or emails from the dead. Yeah. You don't really know what's going on. But in most of the cases, yeah, it's just like a, you know, a way to, um, it's just a grieving process. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 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 We were talking about that the last episode about the whole, like, yeah. um, the woman receiving mm -hmm. messages from her late husband. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing is, in this story, what's what's special is uh, what's special is that we don't really have an emotional connection mm. from the protagonist's view to the person who's dead. Yeah, but it's basically that trope of beyond belief of somebody's ghost is motivated by 
basically fighting against this injustice that's been done and defending so, their loved ones. Yeah, and you're still like, not being able to rest. Exactly. Until, yeah. Yeah, yeah you won't yeah. be able to rest until mm. you have your military badges or your yeah. niece gets her half a yeah. million dollars. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense because why did that woman... How could that woman pose as the niece in the first place if she, you know, she's not related to the guy? Yeah, right. Like the uh, because I think it, in the end they said that it was so it was a nurse. It was right, it was right, right. Own, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was yeah, um, actually That's so right. the the niece said that the scammer was actually um, her father's nurse that's right yeah i forgot so, to include that that's right yeah so she probably had a, access to a lot of information to yeah, kind of like that, that, you know that, that makes but sense. it's true you would still check someone's details maybe you, someone's I, id you, you would think that that a lawyer would check your id before they give you a half a million dollars of inheritance yeah and also that they maybe would care to think about that maybe the real niece had gotten married in this in the in the meantime and maybe doesn't have the same yeah. last name. Um, I mean, why would why didn't the niece know about it anyway? That's because, that's another really good yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's that's something else as well that I read about recently is actually um, sorry has nothing really to do with this anymore. But <laughs> um, before I lose my thought, um, people also say that they often keep open email accounts from loved ones. Uh-huh. And because they also find it really comforting and they love to like read those emails again mm-hmm. or they like go into the email account so if email accounts stay open yeah that's also a way for people like to like you can just like hack into someone's account and send out emails and suddenly yeah. you do and freak get everybody an email out. from a dead person uh-huh. so. and most likely if it's a nice email the relatives are going to be like all right i'll take it yeah <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> it's better than nothing yeah penis enlargements Okay. <laughs> it's coming from you. Nigerian prince. All right. <laughs> if you say so, dead husband, I'll take it. I mean, wh- yeah, I it, I went down this rabbit hole of um, deceased people's accounts and security mm. about it. And there's this whole big thing about uh, dead people's Facebook accounts, right? Yeah. That basically Facebook is turning into a graveyard. And it's going to yes. just become worse and worse over the next yeah. couple of years. And people are not really sure what to do with those accounts. And then yes. it's so easy to hack them, most well, likely. I mean, I haven't tried, but I'm, I assume it can't be that hard. You can turn them into some sort of, like, obituary now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So okay. there's, like, the, they start to think about ways to how... What do we do with our digital, yeah. you know, history and yeah. traces? So they're yeah. all... The, like, Facebook is doing that now. We can, like, close the account and people can just... Go back to it. Maybe leave a nice message, but that's basically it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's unfortunate that I that I couldn't find uh, uh, any any particulars. I mean, mm. the thing is too that when you start looking for email scams and inheritance, no. there's this very classic scam of yeah. somebody emailing you saying. You inherited yeah, yeah. a half a million dollars by mm-hmm. this person you've never heard of. And all you need to do is give them your bank accounts yeah. and they'll wire it to you. Woo. So um, it's kind of the, yeah, the it's, it's, that's kind of um, clouding mm-hmm. the mystery stories. But yeah. I assume that's also because there, there just isn't okay. a story, unfortunately. Tell me about the <clears throat> cup of joe. Okay. 
Kappa Joe. I really don't know why that's the name of this story because it makes no sense. Um, coffee plays not even like a supportive role, as we'll find out later. And it's kind of like, like, it's a weird name. Anyway, um, uh-huh. don't get too confused by it. It's not as uh, on point as email. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so let's start at the beginning. So the scene opens in a car with three college girls. Nice. Driving to a party somewhere on the countryside during their spring break. I've um, seen that movie. <laughs> I think we've all seen that movie. Um, only one of them has a driver's license, so she's the designated driver. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that apparently this is going to be the rave of the year. It's 1997. Is Ooh. that really what they say, the rave yep. of the year? <laughs> the road is completely deserted and empty. Um, no one else is there. There's nothing. Oh, um, no. So they're driving, laughing in a car, talking about boys, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> As you do. The driver shows like, a little bit of a borderline personality. She's moving between being like super hyped up and hypersensitive. And she's like going from laughing to screaming. Oh, wow. Um, and when her friend asks if she's sure that they're on the right path, she literally goes like, yes, I'm sure I'm on the right path. No, you know what? I don't know. I'm in the right path. And you're like, what is going on in this car? And um, so she starts to scream that she's sure, kind of contradicting herself right after. And then her inner monologue, obviously, is all like, oh my God, I think I'm lost. I'm not going to tell the girls. Um, and then we see her drink coffee. At least that's what I think ah, it is. Um, and that's the, cup of joe. the only way I can explain the name. Um, but then again, <laughs> it doesn't really seem to have any effect on her. As she moves from drinking to panicking to falling asleep behind the wheel. Oh my Ooh. goodness. Um, her friends are just like kind of staring outside into the abyss while she falls asleep at the wheel. Cool. Um, <laughs> and then she almost drives into another car. Then she wakes up from her little nap time. And then they decide, okay, now it's time to stop for a coffee, maybe something to eat and fix the absolutely fine looking makeup. Um, and then the girl in the passenger seat suddenly shouts that she sees a billboard for a diner one mile up. So they divert the car and take the route that apparently leads to the diner. Mm -hmm. After a while, rain sets in and, um, the horror movie feel just intensifies and culminates when a sign shows that the road is closed. Oh no. And a man appears out of nowhere with a light in his hand. (laughs) And he holds it underneath his face. No, it's next to his face. And he says, can I help you, girls? Oh, my God. And they go, we're looking for a diner. And he says, there's no diner up here. And then they start to scream, panic, and drive off and leave the man. And he's probably just thinking, what did did I just do? So There's no they drive off and they're like, oh my God, it's was, it, it, it was like he was waiting for us. I don't know. It, like you get this idea that it's like a super horror movie and nothing really happens. <laughs> um, anyway, so they drive away. They go back to the main road where they were coming from. And just to be stopped again by a police officer telling them that the road is closed due to a landslide that actually buried a couple of cars. So it turns out the billboard detour 
took 30 minutes, just long enough for them to be saved from the landslide. Oh, wow. Yes. But also, the girl says, like, well, the billboard, we saw a billboard, um, and that's why we went to the other, um, mm -hmm. we took the other street. And the guy goes, like, billboard? There's no billboard. It's forbidden here. So there was no billboard. Because it's forbidden? <laughs> it's forbidden. I don't know. So the whole thing of the story is she saw a billboard that wasn't there mm -hmm. and that saved them from mm -hmm. the landslide because it couldn't have took them 30 minutes for this detour and that saved their life. I mean, you know what? When I'm tired enough, I'll see a billboard that's not there. That doesn't kinda, seem unreasonable to me. I mean, that is a very... That's a good explanation, you know? That's, yeah. I mean, maybe she was just... You see a street sign and you think, oh, nice, diner, coffee, pie. Yeah. So that obviously could be an explanation. I mean, I'm also wondering, if you mm -hmm. girls want to go to a party, why are you so fucking tired? <laughs> I, I mean, the, it's going to be the rave of the year, yeah. Woo-hoo! I'm gonna fall asleep at the wheel. Cool. Um, I don't know. So, just with a lot of these stories, there's no fact. Oh no! Um, it'll remain a secret. Um, but as I was researching, I came across something that could be an explanation. Just to you know, keep it a little bit fun. Uh -huh. um, we're obviously going down the paranormal route. Of course. Um, so I'm back at it with another explanation filed under pseudoscience nice so let me read you an excerpt of the definition of extrasensory perception from the encyclopedia britannica extrasensory perception exactly esp short ESP, um, okay so it's perception that occurs independently of the known sensory processes Usually included in this category of phenomena are telepathy or thought transference between persons, clairvoyance, or supernormal awareness of objects or events not necessarily known to others, and precognition or knowledge of the future. So, just to keep things fun, um, my thought is maybe this passenger seat girl had a clairvoyant vision fueled by an undeveloped sense of recognition <laughs> um so maybe she just had a gift but she didn't know about it uh -huh. um and then maybe seeing the billboard was her psychic ability telling her to save herself um and that's what saved them from the landslide that could be an explanation that yeah it's a very very reasonable explanation <laughs> <laughs> i mean to be honest what kind of bothers me about that whole story is that they're They're pretending that the landslide is more dangerous than the fact that this woman was falling asleep at the wheel. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just so, no big deal. There's so like... many things wrong with it. Um, <laughs> but I was also like, obviously, just going deeper down that rabbit hole. Um, maybe we can also, like, from this kind of pseudoscience, um, we can go to a more reality-based explanation, mm -hmm. which would be the déjà vu. Okay. Um, and although the déjà vu is also linked to precognition, so paranormal context, mm -hmm. there's also a more scientific explanation, and then you would call it just recognition. Yeah. Um, so then we're talking about like the implicit memory. Um, and Wikipedia says, when people experience déjà vu, they may have their recognition memory triggered by certain situations. So maybe she had already been driving down a similar road which actually featured a billboard 
-hmm. maybe even in a similar situation and setup, causing her brain to see something that wasn't there. So they're all possible explanations, and there are also some stories about how people's lives were saved by a psychic dream, um, which we already kind of covered. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I think it's unfortunately so easy to explain how when you're tired and you're driving in, I, I, they're driving in the dark too, you see a street sign and you really want to see a diner sign and you're that just like, be it. you know, yeah. but then, yeah, you, you, you wonder why that story makes its way into beyond belief. And that's where, you know, um, it would be fun to have a, a paranormal explanation for the whole thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, doesn't really work out that way, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. I think what bothers me about the story is that it was super boring and I kind of just added little elements to make it more fun or mysterious, mm -hmm. like little horror elements, like the dude with the lamp, but then you just wanted to help them <laughs> the dude probably. dude with the lamp is my favorite. <laughs> and, and then just when like the second roadblock, they were like, oh my God, what is this? Who is this? Because there's like a big figure, it's in the dark and he's wearing dark clothes and then he comes and it's just a police officer <laughs> and he's super friendly. Yeah. So it, it, all these elements and then this girl who's just like screaming and panicking and they're like, how many cliches can we put in this little story? I mean, so yeah. Basically, it would have been, it would have been a great story. It, it would have been a great cautionary tale about the dangers of driving when you're overtired and in the middle of a psychotic breakdown. Um, and how it's not necessarily a great idea to, to drive all of your friends to a rave in yeah. that setting. But unfortunately, they decided not to make that point, but tell you about the dangers of landslides instead. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Which is something that, you know, happens all the time in yeah. no advertisement land where they live. So that's my story. Good story. Cool story, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to hear about the secrets of the family tomb? I love that story mm -hmm. because hot priest. Honestly, I gotta say, just in terms of um, cinematography, I think it's my favorite story so far. <laughs> it's it has everything. Okay. Um, the story is told from the perspective of uh, Sergeant Jim Keen, um, who right away says that. In his entire career, he's never seen anything like this, and he's never been able to figure out what really happened. Can um, we just call him the way that you called him earlier? Detective? No. What did I call him? I think you called him Hot Detective. Hot Detective. Yeah, he is kind of hot. Okay, let's call him Hot Detective <laughs> and Hot Priest. Okay, so Hot Detective is like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this before. I'm going to tell you the story. It's also, in this story, the southern accent is strong, especially with the hillbilly uh, groundskeeper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, that's mm -hmm. right. It starts with a young woman who died a mysterious death after a very troubled life. It says that they, they say that she had a lot of problems in her life and a lot of troubles. And but she uh, was like 16 or something, right? I don't know. It's okay. they, they just say she was young. Okay. Uh, it's basically she's, her main role is daughter who was okay. troubled. Um, but they don't really specify anything else. Uh, the story starts with her funeral she is being laid to rest in the family tomb, and we see a close-up of her mother's face and that at that funeral. 
And the voiceover tells us that um, the mother soon thereafter passed away due to heart failure. And after the mother's funeral, the groundskeeper of the gra graveyard, who, like I said, amazing hillbilly accent, informs the detective that the tomb has been vandalized, despite the fact that the door of the tomb was locked the whole time and only he has the keys to it. Mysteriously, in that entire story, not once was the groundskeeper suspected of doing anything. No one ever questioned him because yep. he's this <laughs> upstanding citizen. And so basically that sets off this whole entire chain of vandalistic acts around the tomb. They, they open the door and they see that the, the flowers are knocked over and the, um, the paneling to the coffins has been ripped open and it just looks like a bunch of teenagers went mm -hmm. wild in there. But, you know, the, the door has re it remained closed the entire time, so no one knows what happened, and Hot Detective has no idea what to make of it. So, finally, that happens, that, that repeats itself a couple of mm -hmm. times, so that's basically the, the extent of the story, yeah. until Hot Priest comes along and uh, tells the detective that he needs to talk to him, and he needs to share some sensitive information with him, that he's going to violate his uh, his mm. his trusted bond that he has with his sheep at his church and tell him what he knows from confession, which is that the mother of the troubled daughter had been abusing her his entire her entire life and had been beating her and treating her really terribly. And what the priest suspects is that the daughter does not want to be laid to rest with her mother in the same family tomb, and that's why she's acting up like she has her entire life. So... What happens then is very puzzling. What happens then is they take the coffin of the mom, they take her out of the family grave, put her to rest somewhere else, and the story ends. And that's Boom. that solves the problem. Boom. Okay, but can we also quickly talk about the ingenious idea of the officer to catch the vandalists by putting them... Right. Sand right. on the floor right. so he could have some footprints. That's right. That's the best part. That's, that's the best part. Yeah. That was amazing. See, that detective, you know, he knows how to do his job. So how to, you know, the way you catch a predator is you put some sand on the ground. Yeah, duh. So you get some footprints because everybody knows that footprints are the number one lead to any crime. Yeah. For sure. And that's how you get your proof. And vandals, normally, they don't check the ground if nope. they leave any footprints anywhere. Exactly. And sand holds up so well, too. <laughs> right? Amazing. I love That's how right. he, like, single-handedly puts down the sand in the crib. Yeah. And he's just, like, very gently, you know, putting it, like, on the floor and making yeah. sure it's nice and even. I wasn't actually sure if it was sand or if it was supposed to be, like, cement or something. Yeah, that holds better. But... Yeah. Either way, it's kind of ridiculous that he comes in the next day and says, well, there's no footprints. No footprints. Yeah, must have uh, been a ghost. It was a ghost. There's yeah, yeah. Because who doesn't have footprints? Ghosts. Once, once there are footprints in the sand, you can never, you can never erase them. Yeah, exactly. Everyone knows that. You've been to a beach once, you go like, oh my God, all these footprints. Like, <laughs> so... <laughs> So annoying. <laughs> like, I just want to lay at the beach. There's so many footprints, footprints everywhere. everywhere. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, the entire, the methods of that hot detective yeah. are uh, very um, cartoonish, to say the least. <laughs> it's very Wiley Coyote. Yeah? Unfortunately, uh, once again, I got to let you down and tell you that, I mean, I, I, I went down a rabbit hole of stories about vandalizing of graves. There is no story behind this. There is no lead up to this. Uh, but I thought it was a nice parallel to the to the first story where once again we have a ghost um, who is mm. trying to right yeah. their wrongs and search for justice and death mm-hmm. and figure out how to finally tell everybody that her mother's been an asshole to her yeah. basically her entire life. Yeah. What I found very interesting about this is this is another story where we have um, a conceptualization of ghosts that I don't understand. So okay. apparently in this universe, how ghosts work is they don't have footprints. Yeah. <laughs> We've established that. Mm-hmm. But they can take flowers and throw them on the ground or rip an entire wall out of a tomb. Um, well, they're just like a gush of wind, you know, with a little <laughs> bed linen on top of them, aren't they? And they just like knock Maybe it over. They just- they just float? I don't know. It's, it's Hotel very Hotel quality bedding? I mean, <laughs> that can knock off. That can knock over a couple of flowers. I mean, the most confusing thing to me is that the ghost, apparently, once you put a body in a tomb, mm-hmm. the ghosts are confined to that space. Oh, yes. So the ghosts have yeah. to hang out together. Mm. But then if you take the mom and yeah. you bury her somewhere else and she still wants to annoy her daughter, mm. she can't, her ghost can't just float over to the family tomb and Mm. be like i'm back um but that's apparently that's a determining factor in what your realm of possibilities is so if you're buried in a tomb and the tomb is locked you can't leave which is very confusing to me yeah especially as a ghost which (laughs) i aren't you like just i mean apparently you're strong enough to leave your coffin but then you were like damn Door lock. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, her body was still in there. So she probably wanted yeah. to make sure that the... Although it's just a vessel, so really you shouldn't <laughs> care. But, you know, anyway. Yeah. You know, just for the sake of it. Uh-huh. I do understand it. Yeah. I do understand the ghost of the girl. <laughs> and I mean, also, we need to talk about the, too, yeah. the fact that the mother was actually um, abusing her daughter. And she was violent to her. So that's something, you know, that was, that wasn't really, I mean, it was quickly mentioned that that's the reason why she didn't want to be in the same grave, but it never really gets talked about. It's It's just always like, kind of like, this is the the reason why. Yeah. And it's interesting that like, fair enough, we get the conversation of hot priest and hot detective, but then (laughs) you got to imagine hot detective going to the dad or the groundskeeper and being like, Hey, so... I, you know, I solved the case. The solution is <laughs> we got to take the wife out of the two <laughs> and then it'll be all right. Yeah, and everybody's yeah. just like, sounds legit. We'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like it's worth the effort. Of, yeah. You know. But let's um, do it fast because he also has to get back to the office, you know, <laughs> and just like write down the case and, you know, why he solved it and put it at ACTA. So. Exactly. You know. Yeah. There's a lot of... Uh, uh, footprints in the sand waiting for this guy. <laughs> we can talk about possible explanations, which 
I think, um, first of all, you know, it's just ridiculous that no one ever asked the groundskeeper if maybe mm. he had lost his key or yeah. used his key or given it to somebody. Or, or lost maybe. his marbles. Or his marbles. <laughs> or he was just really into ghost stories and he was like, I have a good idea. Yeah. Let's see if I can make them bury this woman somewhere else. Well, they didn't have Netflix at the time. So He's you like to find oh. one way, you know, to have fun. In the, the, the second that he saw the detective spreading the sand on the <laughs> tomb floor, he was like... Let's see how far I can go with this. <laughs> I want to see or maybe, what I can do here. Actually, maybe like the girl had a friend that she actually confined in and yeah. told her about it. But that, and then she said, "Oh, please don't tell anyone anything. You know, it's a secret. I feel ashamed or whatever." Mm-hmm. And then that friend got so upset when the mother was, you know, buried in the same crypt that she just got mad and. You know, just mm-hmm. pick the lock with like a bobby pin. Every Lavino over everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's an option. You could pick the lock and mm-hmm. then just close it again. And she probably or, just had like some really cheap ballerinas on, which have no profile, you know, and that's the... Or reason. like, you know, she had a little <laughs> Swiffer with her. <laughs> I think she was just wearing cheap shoes. So. <laughs> or she was floating in. Um... Yeah, or maybe, you know, Hillbilly Groundskeeper had yeah. left his keys outside the door when he went to pee and somebody made a copy of it or, you know, something like that. There's plenty of stories of uh, kids breaking into tombs yeah. and vandalism happening and all that. And I think the main essence of the story is that moralistic idea of... Yeah. You know, you can't run away from your mm. uh, from your sins. Eventually, they're gonna get you. Hot yeah. priest is out to get you. Yeah, basically, yeah, you can't you can't run away from your sins. Mm. You're gonna have to confront them in life or in death. All right. Let's let's get to the last the, the last one. Yeah. It's called the unknown patient. The unknown patient. Yes. Nice. That was a really short one. It's an and morally correct doctor in a slightly morally corrupt ER. Mm -hmm. He wants to do his job. He wants to save human lives. So we see an old man with no identification being brought into the ER room and our passionate Dr. Sanders with a Magnum style mustache does everything he can to save him. Even ignoring the head of medicine's doctor's order to not invest too many resources into saving the man. Because, you know, that's what happens. When yeah. you come into a hospital, people are like, meh, you know, yeah. don't blow all of our oxygen well, and blood on this guy. He tries to, like, reanimate him a couple of times. Okay. And then you just hear, like, beep. Mm-hmm. And then he wants to go on. And then um, the head of medicine, the head of medicine doctor. <laughs> we don't know if that exists. Head of medicine um, doctor. <laughs> yeah, kind of, like, orders him to not invest too many resources. Chief, is that the chief of surgery or whatever chief it's the i don't know it's the chief of money chief of money (laughs) chief of resources and so she says like if the man seems to be a lost cause and he has no identification probably no medical plan whatever like that then he should just stop it the man clearly doesn't respond anymore and he should just go and take care of more patients Mm -hmm. yes so the doctor is still like trying to do everything that he can to save the man, um, 
because he feels that it's his duty. He's going to make him come back. Um, well, at the end, he's pretty broken because he still lost his patient. Um, uh-huh. And um, as they walk out of the ER, the nurse gives him a necklace that she found in the, the old man's pants. Mm-hmm. That sounds really bad. <laughs> they should have called this episode the old man's pants. <laughs> ne- the pants necklace. I want to have a bar that I call the old man's pants. Um. <laughs> Making light of tragedy. <laughs> so, um, as a doctor walks away, contemplating the value of human life or something like that, um, he walks to the reception. Is that what you call like the hospital reception? Uh-huh. Oh, okay, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a couple that tell that tells the nurse that um, the father of the wife had died here in this hospital last night. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, there's like sort of a couple of hours in between, so mm-hmm. we can say that the man died last night. Mm-hmm. Um, Time passes. Yeah. Voice over. Boom, boom. Dramatic walking. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So they only knew that he died here because of an obituary. So the obituary said that he died of a heart attack and was brought into this hospital and died last night. Mm -hmm. So, yes, there was a man that died last night, but only one. Yes, he died of a heart attack, but there had been no name to him. So Mm -hmm. they couldn't have declared his death yet. Yeah. So how could there have been an obituary already? And... The doctor then pulls out the necklace and he asks the woman if it belonged to her father. And uh, obviously, you know, yes, it is, blah, 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 case closed. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. It's Wait, but is it, it's not her father's necklace, is it? It's like her necklace. No, it's her father's necklace. It has like a little metal of like, like a... It's like a really a, big clock. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's him. Well... <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a bedazzled cross, okay? No. It was a little medal with Saint Jude the patron of the lost cause or something like that. Or lost uh, hope. Which is like casual. It's a very positive, you know, message to carry around with you. Cool. Well what are you? I'm the, I'm the saint of lost causes. It's amazing. Um very dramatic. So First, I thought, lemomatico. But <laughs> what? But I'm still on the necklace. Like, what if it had just been like this little tag thing? Listen, juicy. <laughs> Sexy this bitch. episode is called "The Old Man's Pants and His Little Necklace." Okay. So, um, well, I dug a little deeper, trying to find some story related to, um, to this, um, and I found something. It's called premature obituaries. Um, so obituaries of people that were still alive at the time of the publication, mm-hmm. kind of self-explanatory. Um, there are several reasons for a premature obituary, and here are two that might have been the idea, um, and the source for the story. So one does the accidental publication. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a release of a pre-written obituary, um, and normally the result of either a technical or a human error. Uh-huh. For example, in 2003, the CNN accidentally released draft obituaries for seven major world figures. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to read the wiki article because I thought it was Oh, funny. yes, please, please. Multiple premature obituaries came to light on April 16, 2003, 
when it was discovered that pre-written draft memorials to several world figures were available on the development area of the CNN website without requiring a password. The pages included tributes to Fidel Castro, who died in 2016, <laughs> Dick Cheney, Nelson Mandela, both died in 2013, Bob Hope, uh, 2003, I mean, Dick Cheney is actually still alive, so whatever, um, Gerald Ford, um, Pope John Paul II, Ronald Reagan. Um, <laughs> so some of these obituaries oh contain fragments taken from others, particularly from Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother's obituary, which had apparently oh been used as a template. Goodness. Dick Cheney, for example, was described as the UK's favorite grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> and the site noted the Pope's love of racing <laughs> and described Jim Castro as lifeguard, athlete, movie star, a reference to Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Although the Queen Mother was already dead in an unrelated incident, she had previously received a premature obituary on her own. So that is one explanation. Um, so that could have just been... Like, maybe the guy actually wrote something in advance or there was someone else's obituary maybe and had been released. The second explanation would be a name confusion. Mm -hmm. So I researched and there's about 610,000 people that die in the US of uh, heart disease every year. Mm -hmm. That's one out of four deaths, mm -hmm. making it the leading cause of death. So it, basically there are a shit ton of people that die of a heart attack every year. Uh -huh. um, and I would assume that almost he, every night yes, in an ER. Exactly. In a so major city. There could have been a second man of the same name mm -hmm. admitted to another hospital that night. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe someone already wrote the obituary for him that uh -huh. night and the newspaper switched up the hospital's name. Like, is that mm -hmm. possible? Yada, yada, yada. I think it still is very much you know, based on the writer's um, sense of fiction. Uh -huh. Because why would you write an obituary? Like, even if someone else had died and they had switched up the hospital names, why would you write an obituary that night uh -huh. and already release it? Yeah. So mm -hmm. what the story wants to tell us is that the old man um, had <laughs> some like, hey guys, way of, like, he was like, oh, I'm I dead. don't carry an ID. <laughs> But maybe my spirit can come to the newspaper office and quickly write an obituary so my kids know where I am. Yeah, makes sense. I Checks out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not as if the, the, the children wouldn't have eventually started to look for their father and then discovered that, you know, mm -hmm. was admitted there. Um, I, I think it's actually less about the fact behind the story. I think it's more about the moral of it mm -hmm. and about how the value of every human life and that you should do whatever you can to save a human life without any monetary motivation. Yeah. Um, I think that really is kind of like, it's kind of like how the story ended with mm -hmm. like a close up on his magnum mustache mm -hmm. and him thinking, okay, I did I, the right thing. I did everything I could to save mm -hmm. this man's life. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, opposing even the though, head of medicine, doctor. Yeah. Even though, I mean, that's that should always be the assumption that even if you don't have a name or an ID mm -hmm. in that moment, you should treat a patient as if 
you were to face the relatives of that patient right afterwards to tell them, you know, we yeah. did everything we could. Um, it's a nice thought. Honestly, I have a really hard time believing that anybody wouldn't do their best who's, hmm. you know, gone through medical school and works in an ER to save people. Who's I, I have a really hard time believing that somebody like that would be like, yeah. you know, I could save him, but then there's also lunch. Like, well, I mean, not like that, but I think it was more about um, not wasting resources because obviously, you know, all of that medical equipment is mm-hmm. expensive and mm-hmm. then uh, doctors and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And we all know the U.S. Um, yeah. medical system. Yeah, um, fair enough. I mean... Still, I think, you know, the times that we're living right now, we are actually at a point where we do discuss if you should save someone when you see that they are in danger. Mm -hmm. Because what's going on with the refugee crisis right now is actually exactly about that. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. about how, like, if you see someone who's drowning, you should mm-hmm. save them. And mm-hmm. then there are actually people saying no. And we are really, we're in a crisis of humanity in a mm-hmm. way. Like, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so I have these two ways of identifying myself. And mm-hmm. it's an obituary, which seems like, I mean, reminds me of that friend scene where um, Phoebe's grandmother is updating her phone book by reading the obituaries and then crossing oh. out the Oh, yes. That was amazing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, what I took away from it really is that 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 whole story. I've heard about that before. I didn't hear about that scandal, that breach at CNN. But I read before that most journalists uh, who are high-ranking keep obituaries for for okay, important okay. people, yeah. basically, okay. like, for, 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 for big government officials, mm-hmm. they just update them constantly, and they always, wow. they're always ready, basically, so they can publish within a minute. Okay. And that's such a scary thought, to think, like, is, okay, yeah. when you're at a certain point, like, the queen yeah. probably knows that there's, like, a bunch of obituaries in yeah. every major journalist's <laughs> desk waiting for her to drop. Yeah, yeah, that, I didn't know that. That's good. That's really yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 yeah, it's it's yeah. I I read that and I was like, damn, you know, that's that. If you do believe in some sort of mm-hmm. paranormal, ghosty stuff, that's that doesn't feel like a good omen, you know. No, no. <laughs> that somebody is like thinking about what the world is going to be like without you. Mm. But then, on the other hand, on a very pragmatic scale, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. To just save yourself some. A really, really stressful night shift, basically. True. And money. <laughs> and money. That's yeah. right. Okay. All right. Well, um, you know, I hope next time more uh, fruition, more... Uh... More paranormal stuff for mm-hmm. me. I want ghosts. I want blood. I want things written in blood. Honestly, I just want some... I just want some cases. I just want some... True. I just want some some tough, hard evidence, like... Footprints in the sand. That would be great as well. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's hope for footprints in the sand. All right. All right. See you next time. Bye-bye. Beyond Disbelief is produced by us, Robin and Johanna. Catch us every second Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. 
Haunt us on Instagram at beyonddisbelief.podcast or send your love letters to beyonddisbelief.podcast at gmail.com. <laughs>